When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to episode 22 of the Hockey News on the Dub podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I'm Carol Schramm here with Adam Kersenblatt, and we are now a couple of games into round two of the WHL playoffs as we record here on Tuesday. So in this week's episode, we will run through the WHL award nominees and dub players that are in Switzerland from the upcoming World U18 tournament in our headline segment. We'll also touch on the latest rankings update from NHL Central Scouting. Then we've got our WHL Game of the Week, the look at the three stars of the week, and our NHL Team of the Week, which is the Vancouver Canucks. And to close out today, we have put the Connor Bedard report on ice for the time being, now that he's out of the playoffs. Um, so we'll see what happens with him at the draft lottery on May 8th. And in the meantime, we'll be introducing a new segment uh, highlighting the 2023 draft prospect of the week. So let's get into it. Uh, here is Adam to kick off this week's headlines. Yeah, so before we uh, get into what we're going to talk about, some sad news to pass along as Seattle-based uh, hockey writer Andy Eide uh, passed away last Friday at the age of 53. Andy had suffered a stroke at Climate Pledge Arena prior to the Krakens game on March 18th and spent the last uh, few weeks in the ICU. For those unfamiliar with uh, Andy's work, he wrote for multiple outlets, including NHL.com, where he did an article on prospect Jager uh, Furkus earlier this season. Andy's well-known around the WHO community, and he on, he not only covered the Seattle Thunderbirds for close to a decade, but he was also involved with the broadcast doing play-by-play most recently for the 2021 uh, WHO bubble season. So our condolences go out to his uh, family and friends. Yes, definitely. Condolences to uh, to everyone who knew and cared for Andy. It is a terrible loss for the Seattle hockey community as he'd been a big part of the movement that galvanized the Seattle fan base ahead of their big season ticket drive that sort of um, guaranteed the crack in their, their uh, expansion franchise when they first did that drive uh, back a few years ago. Um, Andy had been doing story game stories for NHL.com as well as writing and podcasting and keeping tabs on the Thunderbirds, as you mentioned. So it's such a shame, the timing of this, that um, he's not here to watch the Thunderbirds big playoff run this spring uh, or be at Climate Pledge this weekend for the Kraken's first ever playoff games where they'll be hosting the Colorado Avalanche for game three on Saturday. Uh, I know he touched a lot of people in the Seattle hockey community and in local sports media. So this is a, a big loss for Seattle hockey. It's terrible to hear. Yes. Uh, and if you get a chance, make sure to uh, read some of his uh, work on whether it's the Kraken or the Thunderbirds, because it is uh, very well done. Uh, that's for sure. All right, moving on then, we've got uh, the WHL finishing announcing their divisional award nominees for the season. The big winner when it came to teams was uh, the Medicine Hat Tigers, who were nominated for four awards, including coach and general manager Willie Desjardins, who was nominated for both the Executive of the Year and the Coach of the Year Award. Uh, the other teams that received multiple nominations were the Kamloops Blazers and the Seattle Thunderbirds, who received three each, and the Re Vancouver Giants, Regina Pats, Red Deer Rebels, and Winnipeg Ice each received two. 
Uh, winners of those awards will be announced daily by the WHL starting in early May. Now, uh, let's take a look at the World U18 tournament, which is uh, happening in Switzerland. Games will be starting on Thursday, and we've got a nice contingent of WHL players over uh, it, suiting up for Team Canada. Yes, yeah, so we have eight WHO players were named to Canada's U18 team, including three players that will be eligible for the 2024 draft. So uh, Carson Bjornsson, uh, uh, Lucas Dragasevic, Caden Price, Andrew Crystal, and Ty Haliberta are the 2023 eligibles, while Carter Yamachuk, Berkeley Kent, and Tanner Howe are the three 2024 eligibles. The tournament takes place in Switzerland this year and is a great opportunity for, uh, for scouts to see prospects one final time against the world's uh, best competitions. Yeah, U18 is typically not a strong tournament for Canada because so many of the top draft eligible players are still in the CHL playoffs. Uh, games will be broadcast on TSN in Canada and on NHL Network in the U.S. And the puck drops are going to be early in the morning. Uh, Canada's first game is against Sweden, who were the gold medalists in 2022 in Germany. And puck drop for that on Thursday morning is at a uh, friendly 5.30 a.m. Pacific time. Yeah, so... Uh, it's some exciting stuff, definitely, for sure. And uh, while we're talking about some draft-eligible prospects, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, the central scouting list that came out today? So, as you mentioned, since we won't be doing a full Connor Bedard segment today, a quick mention on of him here as NHL uh, Central Scouting released its final draft rankings on Tuesday, just before we recorded. Tony uh, Ferrari has a summary of the interesting points up on the Hockey News uh, website, um, and there's not a lot of big uh, WHL highlights, unfortunately. So, uh, of course, Bedard, he's still ranked number one among North American uh, skaters, while Carson Bjornsson also uh, retains number one um, uh, among North American goalies. And then a couple of dub prospects have slipped. So Brendan Yeager, who we'll talk about a little bit later, dropped from number five to 11 among North American skaters, and Lucas Dragasevic fell 12 to 18th, but is still the top-ranked North American defender. Yeah, we at the midterm rankings, we saw a really strong showing from WHL players, and there have been a few of those top guys that seem to have slid down. But my suspicion is that that is as much about the scouts getting more viewings of players in some of the other uh, leagues and markets around the world in the USHL and the NTDP and over in Europe. And uh, some of those guys making good cases for themselves to move up as much as it is for anything that the, uh, that the dub players have done wrong. And there were um, a couple of solid climbers. Uh, once again, anything affiliated with the Seattle Thunderbirds seems to turn to gold this year. Um, Grayson Sachin moved up from number 42 to 24 among North American skaters and Nico Majadovic from 47 to 26 and a little higher up the rankings Nate Danielson of the Brandon Wheat Kings also saw a significant rise he moved from 13th up to 7th and has been getting good buzz as a, uh, a very solid sort of do anything kind of a forward so uh, Danielson for sure will be a guy to rise um, on the goalie side once again we look at Seattle's uh, Scott Scott Ratzlaff who's in his first year of draft eligibility climbed from number six to four among the North American goalies and uh, Thomas Millich who who's 20 now actually fell a little bit from 25 to 28. We will talk a little bit more about Millich as we dig into our, uh, our playoff uh, recaps from this week as well. And uh, so now let's uh, do a quick catch up on what's happening in the uh, second round of the playoffs so far. Um, 
Interesting to see that uh, Red Deer is leading Saskatoon to nothing despite opening on the road. This is a an interesting matchup, which I didn't notice initially that even though Red Deer won their division, when they reseeded for round two, they actually had nine fewer points than Saskatoon. So they ended up slotting in as the uh, as the underdog in the team that only gets three home games. So uh, um, Saskatoon got home ice advantage and then proceeded to squander it just like they did in the first round by losing their first two games. Yeah, so this is something that we talked about when we did our uh, preview last week on this series. And that is, how is Saskatoon going to bounce back after that Regina series, Red Deer sweeps their series. So they have a, a very more than a week off. Saskatoon has to go seven games against Connor Bedard. So they're a little bit more tired. Uh, it just feels like Red Deer is the better team in this uh, in this playoff matchup. You know, Caitlin Linda's back. Uh, they their goaltending has been incredible. Uh, their defense has really shut down Saskatoon's top players. Uh, and it's just an exciting series to watch if you like that uh, low chance, low scoring goal, uh, defensive battle. It's not a goaltending battle. We'll put that out because I think one of the games only had a total of 37 shots on goal. But it's a it's a real defensive battle where you get to watch those board plays. You get to watch how the defenses adjust to the offensive coming down. So, um, yes, Red Deer kind of got... Uh, you know, screwed over a little bit uh, by this uh, reseeding, but hey, now they get to win the series at home, right? In game four. And yeah, we'll see how that all uh, all shakes down. And uh, yeah, the way you described that defensive battle, it sounds like the kind of playoff series that a soccer fan could love, right? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, now, the one series that is tied after two games is uh, is a bit of a surprise. It's a one four, and it's uh, it's Winnipeg Moose Jaw. Which uh, which team do you think will get the edge in uh, in that series this week? Well, I had uh, Winnipeg in six when we did our predictions, and I still think that that is going to happen. Um, but Moose Jaw has played pretty well so far um, against Winnipeg. I very hard team to f kind of feel out because it feels like they're not going at a hundred percent. If that makes sense. Like, I, I don't really know how to explain it, but it, it feels like it, it feels like they're kind of holding back some energy, knowing that they're going to make the next round and that they're going to have to face red deer. And, and they're kind of like building up to a potential Memorial cup uh, birth, which is very dangerous. Like, you put in a hundred percent every uh, leading up to it, every game, but they're just also so talented that they can, you know, not play at a hundred percent and still win games. But Moose Jaw is very talented as well. You know, we'll talk about their games a little bit later, uh, but this is a team stacked with talent, uh, solid foundation, good goaltending. So Winnipeg does have to be careful here uh, uh, going into the uh, game three and game four. Yeah, you've mentioned before that you think that uh, that that Winnipeg is uh, not necessarily like shifting into uh, into high gear right off the hop, and that you thought that maybe Zach Benson even could have come back in the first round if uh, if they had needed him. Um, he is now back in this uh, in the second round, but uh, you know, like you say, it'll be interesting to see. And and there is always such a risk to assuming that you can just step up to the next level when you need to if you're not playing that that way all along 
Um, over in the West, we've got, uh, again, the two powerhouses just continuing to powerhouse. Uh, the Seattle Thunderbirds are uh, taking it to Prince George, but have now headed up to Northern BC for games three and four. And uh, the Kamloops Blazers are doing their thing against Portland. So not much really needs to be said about that. Um, interesting with the uh, goaltending situation in Prince George, though, um, Tyler Brennan was injured in the first round series. And so Ty Young, the Vancouver Canucks prospect, has uh, has taken over the net and uh, and they're using a backup from the AJHL. So that's another challenge that uh, that Prince George has to deal with. And uh, you mentioned that there's a, a suspension that's also a big issue for Prince George heading into game, th game three. Yeah, so Riley Height of the Prince George Cougars has been suspended one game for a hit to the head. So he'll miss game three. And then we also have another suspension over in the east with Evan Friesen of the Winnipeg Ice who will be suspended for two games for a hit to the head and he'll miss game three and four. So yeah, focusing a little bit on Prince George, you're down two nothing and now you lose arguably your top player uh, or one of your top players in a series where you haven't generated any offense. Uh, that's not a good sign if you're the uh, Prince George Cougars going into game three. Yeah. Uh, both, uh, both, Prince George and Portland have their work cut out for them over the next few days for sure. Uh, now let's take a look at our WHL game of the week. And uh, given that it is the series that's tied, it makes sense that we're looking at uh, at Moose Jaw and Winnipeg and the, uh, you know, maybe upset that the uh, Warriors were able to pull in game two on Saturday night when they beat Winnipeg 5-3 in Winnipeg. Yeah, so... Unfortunately, there weren't a ton of close games in the last couple of weeks, but the Moose Jaw uh, Warriors winning 5-3 over the Winnipeg Ice in Game 2 on Saturday night uh, was by far the uh, best game of the first round so far. So after falling second, by the... Second uh, round. Second round. <laughs> My apologies. Uh, so after falling by the same score in Game 1, where Winnipeg won 5-3, uh, the Warriors defeated the Ice 5-3 in Game 2 to even the series at one game apiece. Moose Jaw came out fast and furious with four goals in the first period, including a pair by Brendan Yeager, who we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, Winnipeg would mount a third-period comeback, scoring three straight, but a last-minute empty net goal by Josh Hoekstra sealed the victory uh, for Moose Jaw. In net, Connor Unger was the story as he stopped 33 of 36 shots and held the ice to just one power play goal on nine attempts. Uh, the series now shifts uh, to Moose Jaw, where Game 3 and 4 will be held on back-to-back -back nights Tuesday and Wednesday. So that's one series that we do know is uh, is going back, that they'll have a Game 5 in Winnipeg for sure, uh, closer to the weekend. Uh, now our three stars from this week. Um, as mentioned, Seattle and Kamloops are rolling. So uh, one of the reasons for that is uh, the goaltender from the Kamloops Blazer, who you've awarded with third star honors. Yeah, Dylan Ernst, uh, draft-eligible goaltender, had a strong first two games for the Blazers, stopping 57 of 61 shots he faced so far, including all 29 shots in Game 2 against the Portland Winter Hawks, where he recorded his third shutout of the playoffs. Uh, he also got in on the offense as he recorded an assist during Game 1 on Logan Stankoven's third-period insurance goal and Kamloops' 6-4 uh, win. So with all the focus on the for on Kamloops' forward groups, Ernest uh, Ernst play flies under the radar on occasion so far this postseason he has a 142 goals against average and a 942 save percentage through six games and is rounding into form ahead of the memorial cup uh, I'm just trying to take a quick look here because uh, Ernst is a 19 year old and was ranked 
15th in the midterm rankings among North American goaltenders. And I forgot to double check before we recorded to see uh, where he moved to. So just give me one second and I am going to check this for you. And one more thing, one more thing about Dylan Ernst is that, uh, you know, when you are on these Memorial Cup runs, it's so crucial for your goaltender to have that steady, consistent play. There were a lot of questions going into the trade deadline on whether or not um, the Kamloops Blazers were, were going to go all in on a goaltender as well. As we know, they made the Olin uh, Zellweger and Ryan Hofer trade. There was a lot of talk about the goaltending because the, uh, pe- I, I think it was more of the public around the Kamloops management were questioning Dylan Ernst, but obviously they weren't. They felt comfortable enough to not make a big swing at the trade deadline and acquire a new goaltender. And it's obviously uh, been paying off so far. Now, it also is easier to play goaltender when you are when your uh, forward group is uh, shooting forty to fifty shots on goal. But he has made some very some spectacular saves through the first two rounds, and his play definitely deserves some recognition. Um, yeah, you're right. Those four and five goal cushions don't hurt. Um, and interestingly enough, it looks like uh, the folks at Central Scouting were also in the uh, in the skeptic category because Ernst actually dropped from 15 to 26 among North American goalies from the midterm to the final rankings. So uh, despite all of the success that Kamloops had this year, um, there are certainly some question marks about his play. And uh, good for him for seizing this opportunity and, uh, and stepping up and showing, as you say, that he uh, is an important part of the uh, of the Kamloops team, as well as the second star who you probably have heard a lot more about and who also hails from the Blazers. Yes, yeah, so Dallas Stars signed prospect Logan Sankoven has continued his dominance this uh, postseason, recording three goals and seven points over the first two games of the Blazers' first round series against Portland. Uh, he's now second to- round. Second, Second round. round. <laughs> this I, my, is like a thing now. <laughs> yeah. I have the NHL uh, playoffs also in my mind there. Fair uh, enough. <laughs> so he is now up to 16 points in six games and is just four points off the league lead, which is Connor Bedard, who had 20 points in seven games. So we'll see if he puts up a four-point uh, game against Portland, he matches Connor Bedard for uh, the seven-game uh, um, st- uh, statistic point. Uh, one of the best skaters in the WHL. He is on pace to have a better postseason this year compared to last year, where he put up 31 points in 17 games. Now that is also contingent on Kamloops playing uh, neck this, winning the series, and then playing again. But you know, it's also hard to pile up the points when you're sweeping everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but good on him. Last week, we were highly skeptical that anybody was going to catch Connor Bedard's point totals anytime soon. And uh, for Stankoven to close that gap so so quickly within a week is pretty impressive. It wouldn't surprise me if he is there by the time Kamloops presumably wraps up this second round series. Um, he is one of the highest profile players in junior junior hockey. He's got two world junior gold, met gold medal, medals and was named player of the year last season in both the WHL and the entire CHL. Um, he had 97 points in the regular season this year, which was seven shy of his 104 from last year. But if he has an even better playoffs, that'll be what people remember as his uh, WHL swan song, especially getting the chance to play for the Memorial Cup in his hometown before he turns pro with Dallas next year. Um, and for our first star this week, once again, we go back to the crease. And uh, as we mentioned, the Prince George Cougars are having themselves a heck of a time getting pucks past Thomas Millich. 
Well, everybody's having a heck of a time uh, getting <laughs> past uh, Thomas Millich uh, this playoff. So Seattle has one of the most talented groups of skaters in the WHO, but it's been goaltender Thomas Millich who has stolen the show so far in the playoffs. He has stopped 49 of 51 shots he has faced versus the high-scoring Prince George Cougars and has only allowed more than one goal once during the entire uh, postseason. The undrafted, now 20-year-old, uh, celebrated his birthday with a 23-save win during Game 1 on April 14th. Uh, overall, this postseason, he has a 1.00 goals against average and a save percentage of 959 through six games. The hope is... His body of work this season, including his gold medal win at World Juniors, will be enough to finally get him drafted uh, later on in June. Um, yeah, uh, Milic's biggest obstacle, as we've talked about before, is, is his height. He's a six-footer, um, but between World Juniors and his play for Seattle, I hope that he's getting a little bit of, note of, of attention. And uh, the good news for him is that another WHL graduate, Dustin Wolf, is uh, doing his best to carve out a path for smaller goaltenders to uh, to the pros. He, uh, he was named Goaltender of the Year in the AHL as the Calgary Wranglers finished first in first overall in the AHL, which is the first time that's ever happened for a Calgary Flames affiliate and the first time it's ever happened for a Pacific Division team. Um, I was out in Abbotsford last weekend uh, last week and saw two games between the Wranglers and the Abbotsford uh, Canucks. So it was uh, it was interesting to see what that's all about. Wolf, of course, was not at the first game on Wednesday because he was up with the Flames, earning his first NHL win and is now being seen as uh, a possible solution to the goaltending woes that uh, affected Calgary at the NHL level. So uh, the, the better Dustin Wolf does, I feel like the better chance Thomas Millich is going to get to get a good look and uh, and possibly get a crack at carving out a, uh, a, a meaningful pro career for himself as well. And um, Milch is a native of Coquitlam, BC in uh, our neighborhood here in the Lower Mainland. So that's a nice segue into our NHL team of the week, which uh, just happens to be the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, so we mentioned their one uh, drafted prospect who is in the WHL right now a little bit earlier. And uh, tell us a little bit more about Tyann. Yeah, so only one uh, prospect in the WHL, and that's goaltender Ty Young of the Prince George Cougars. Listed at 6'3", 183 pounds, the Canucks selected him in the fifth round, 144th overall in 2022. Uh, this season, he played a career-high 34 games, uh, winning 15 of them. And when we look at his playoffs, he is having a... Uh, decent playoff run so far as Prince George's uh, starter in six games. He's ha has a 318 goals against average, which is lower than his 389 goals against average from the season. And his save percentage is 906. Uh, and he's got three wins and three losses so far. Unfortunately, like most players, he ran into the Seattle Thunderbirds and this round hasn't been the best so far, but he's played he's played well despite what the numbers tell us in the postseason. So he will it will be interesting to see as Tyler Brennan is potentially potentially may not return for the series if he can get uh, Prince George to come back. And now without Riley Height for Game Three, he's going to be re relied upon even more. So hopefully we can see Ty Young uh, pull off some uh, wins here down the stretch. 
Yeah, and even though Ty Young was not super highly heralded going into the draft last year, it's important to think about the fact that the Canucks goaltending coach Ian Clark is um, recognized as one of the top minds in the game as far as goaltenders go. And he has a real specific sort of template that he looks for when he's looking for goalies with um, with potential. And uh, when I got to talk to Young at, uh, at the development camp in Penticton back in September, he was explaining that that was sort of the pitch that Clark made to him, that he sees these these raw tools. And I think he called him like a wild horse or something like that and needs to like, you know, break him and tame him like they would do on the ranch in order to sort of refine his his raw talent. So it's been a good year for Young. I think he's taken some big steps. And uh, anytime, anytime Ian Clark picks out a guy and says, yeah, that's that's the, you know, the prospect that I want to work with, I pay attention. Certainly Archer Silovs is another guy who... Uh, Nobody had really heard of when they uh, plucked him out of Latvia a few years ago, and he's progressing quite nicely. So um, it'll be interesting to see if Young sort of follows on the on the same path. Um, now, Silovs is in Abbotsford right now, and there are a ton of former WHLers attached to the Abbotsford Canucks. Some are drafted by the Canucks, some are signed by the Canucks, and some are on AHL contracts. So uh, walk us through some of those guys. Yeah, so we'll start with uh, some players who are signed by the Vancouver Canucks, and uh, we'll start with uh, Moostra Warriors, former Moostra Warrior Jet Wu and former Calgary hitman Carson Folk, who were both drafted by the Canucks. They actually played together in Calgary in their last year in junior. Uh, now 22 years old, Wu is having his best year yet with Abbotsford. Uh, Jeremy Carlton, the head coach of the Abbey Canucks, has a lot of praise for him and his development. Uh, and uh, you had the opportunity to speak with uh, Jeremy Colleton about uh, Wu, correct? And yeah, he just mentioned him in passing that he feels that um, that Wu has really grown his overall game, that he's able to sort of be structurally sound, be where he needs to be, contribute some offensively. He scored an amazing overtime goal a couple of weeks ago. Um, and in junior, his calling card was always his physicality. He's a big guy and he's a big hitter and he's finding ways to um, incorporate all those elements back into his game. So um, I know people were starting to get a little bit antsy about Wu's development, but he was quite young when he was drafted and he is still just 22 and uh, goalies or defensemen take, can take a long time. So uh, don't, don't don't give up the ghost on Jet Wu yet. He may be another Abbotsford graduate who makes his way to uh, to the NHL in the next season or two. And if I remember correctly, Patrick Alvine mentioned him in his uh, post-game press conference a couple days ago as well. So anytime you get a mention from the uh, NHL GM, that's always a good, uh, good sign. Yeah, definitely. And, and then as for Carson Folk, he has taken a little bit of a step backwards as he has spent most of the time in the USHL this year. Or, and, uh, sorry, yeah, that should be uh, the sorry. ECHL. E yeah, ECHL. Um, so as for Abbotsford, they've also put a lot of emphasis on signing free agents out of the WHL. Uh, that includes uh, former Red Deer Rebel Archdeep Baines, who uh, won the uh, Bobby LeCar uh, Trophy last year, given to the best uh, player that leads the WHL in points. Uh, and then some other players include Vancouver Giants uh, forward Tristan Nielsen, Chase Wathers, who was the captain of the Saskatoon Blades, Matt Alfro, who uh, played for the Kootenai Ice back when they played in Kootenai, and Chad Nykick, who was from the uh, Brandon Weekings. 
Um, yeah, one other um, former Vancouver giant that has made a big impression in Abbotsford is Alex Canuck Leeper. He was the captain of the Giants and uh, has really become the heart and soul of the Abbotsford team. You may have seen the viral video that was uh, po um, posted and forwarded by everybody from spitting chiclets to uh, a lot of other uh, sources across social media of his huge 90s style fight last week with Alex Gallant of Calgary, um, which was stepping up uh, on behalf of uh, his teammate Danila Klimovich after a non-call after a, a pretty nasty hit by Gallant along the boards. But uh, those two threw down and and uh, if you haven't seen the highlight and you have the stomach for hockey fights, it uh, it's really something to see and it, and to have been there live for it was uh, was a real throwback for me and uh, certainly uh, drives home the uh, intensity and excitement that a, a, a big tilt like that can can bring to a team. Um, after the game, Jack Rathbone is one of the leaders on the on the Abbotsford on the Abbotsford team came back twice to talking about Alex Canuck Leapert. I saw him like skate over as Canuck Leapert was going to the head to the penalty box and he like skated up from behind and gave him a big hug right after the fight, which I thought was was quite telling. And then listening to him talk about him afterwards, he really emphasized how important Canuck Leapert is in the room and um, and and what an important glue guy he is for the organization. Um, it seems like Abbotsford has taken a real step forward this year in terms of both building their talent base and gelling as a team and getting everybody sort of onto the same page. So I think that guys like that are actually really important as um, Abbotsford goes into hosting its first ever um, AHL playoffs this week. They're hosting all three potential games of a best of three series against the uh, Bakersfield Condors who beat them last year. Yeah, and uh, if you're a Vancouver Giants fan, uh, it's going to be exciting because you'll get to see uh, Tyler Benson, another former Vancouver Giants captain on the side of the Condors. So, you know, these uh, you get to see Kanek Leapert and Nielsen versus Benson about, what, 45 minutes, 30 minutes away from uh, where they played their junior careers in Langley, even though Benson did play in uh, Pacific Coliseum and Langley, <laughs> we'll, we'll call it, well, yeah, about 45 minutes. So that's always a cool story to watch. Um, yeah. And then also one other player, Justin Dowling, who is now a, vet, uh, a pro with uh, the Abbotsford. He played his uh, junior career with the with current Broncos all those years ago. Yeah, uh, and uh, Dowling was actually an original or was a member of the Abbotsford Heat as well. So he's a guy who's actually on his second time around in the Abbotsford Center, but playing for a different team in a different franchise this time around, which is kind of a, uh, a weird little quirk in, uh, in Dowling's career. So we'll jump over to the actual Vancouver Canucks themselves. And uh, we have four players who ended the season on Vancouver's roster that played in the WHL. The most notable is uh, former Kelowna Rocket defenseman Tyler Myers, who in 2009 helped Kelowna win the Memorial Cup while also capturing uh, the WHL playoff MVP. The other three are former Seattle Thunderbird and 2017 WHL Defenseman of the Year Ethan Bear. Former Regina Pats captain Kyle Burrows and former Everett Silvertip captain Noah Juleson, who uh, recently was reassigned to Abbotsford for the uh, playoff run. 
Um, yeah, Myers has one year remaining on his contract with Vancouver, and his name is constantly in trade rumors. So we'll see if anything ends up coming of that this summer. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. Burroughs is a Vancouver native who's now a UFA. It's not clear if he'll be back next year, but he's really enjoyed his time here. Um, Bear is an RFA with arbitration rights. He gave a really great interview on Vancouver Radio last weekend saying there was nothing to worry about with re-signing. But when uh, Patrick Alvin talked about him on, on Monday, Day at the uh, season-ending media availability. Um, he was pretty cagey about uh, what the negotiations with Bear would look like, and uh, especially given those arbitration rights, he was being very careful not to say anything too nice about Bear that could be used against him at a further point of the negotiations. So I don't think you need to read too much into the fact that he wasn't being effusive about Bear, but uh, it may mean that uh, we get closer to a hearing, an arbitration hearing than we've uh, than we've seen for a while with the Canucks. Uh, all right, one more segment to go today, and then we will send you on your way. Uh, as mentioned earlier, no Connor Bedard report this week, since we have nothing to report on about Connor Bedard. Uh, so we'll look at our draft prospect of the week, which is uh, Braden Yeager from the Moose Jaw Warriors. Yeah, Braden Yeager of the Moose Jaw Warriors had a hot start to the second round, recording three goals and assist in two games against the Winnipeg Ice. Um, Yeager is a smart two-way center who has one of the best shots in this year's draft, and he's really improved on his playmaking skills this season. So last year he posted 25 assists in 63 games. This year he was up to 50 assists in 67 games. So we saw kind of a switch from a shoot-first player who had more goals than assists last year to a more balanced player who can read the play a little bit better, uses teammates and went uh, the other way. So more assists than goals. Uh, his play has already helped uh, Moose Jaw take home a victory on the road against the high flying ice, but he will need to keep uh, producing for the Warriors to advance to the next round. For more information about his play, make sure to check out uh, Tony Ferrari's game tapes with Tony from a few weeks ago on the Hockey News website, where he interviewed the top prospect, uh, which included a breakdown of the game with uh, Brendan Yeager helping him break down uh, what he saw on the ice. And yeah, those uh, those game game tape with Tony segments that uh, that Tony Ferrari does are great. So uh, check those out and uh, and any of the other draft pro draft eligible prospects that he's uh, worked with on those segments as well. Um, so we'll leave it there for today. Thanks as always for listening. And if you haven't done so al already, please make sure that you subscribe to THN on the dub on your favorite podcast platform to check out the past episodes of this show and all the others in the hockey news podcast family, go to thehockeynews.com slash podcast. Enjoy the games. And we'll be back to break down the rest of the results from round two in next week's episode.